It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Do you know Engageo? They're leading the revolution in account-based sales and account-based marketing. Engageo enables companies like yours to orchestrate human connections at scale and build hyper-growth sales engines. Let's meet Joe Chernoff. I'm Joe Chernoff, the VP of Marketing for Insight Squared. Our very first purchase when we shifted models was Engageo. Engageo very quickly became the centerpiece of our account-based marketing strategy, both the technology as well as the content they provide. Engageo's platform lets you engage the right account at the right time so you can close more deals faster. So if you're interested in joining leaders like Insight Squared in the account-based everything revolution, then be sure to visit engageo.com forward slash accelerate and download your copy of their new book, The Clear and Complete Guide to Account-Based Sales Development, and then come back and listen to the rest of this exciting episode of Accelerate. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me on the show is Sam Richter. Sam is the founder and CEO of SBR Worldwide, No More. Uh, that's the No as a Knowledge More. And author of bestseller, Take the Cold Out of Cold Calling. As well as the developer of some really cool technology, some of which we're going to talk about today, some custom search engines for, for the internet. So, Sam, welcome to Accelerate. Hey, thank you so much. It's uh, really an honor when I look at all the people you've spoken to to and spoken with. Um, wow, it's a heck of a list. So it's really an honor to be to be on that list. Well, you deserve it. It's only world-class experts on this show. So um, welcome. We're excited to talk to you. Thank so, you. How'd you get your start in sales? Maybe introduce yourself a little bit to the audience beyond what I told them. Sure. Well, I think, you know, I'm probably like many, um, you know, as I, as I talk about in my presentations, you know, I, I say, how many here when you were in third grade and your teacher said, what do you want to be when you grow up, you know, s- jumped out of your seat and said, I, I don't I want to be in sales. Um, very few people. Very few. Right. <laughs> and so I think like most, I kind of stumbled, you know, I just stumbled into it. Um, I think probably my first sales experience was, you know, and I'm actually a professional speaker, but um, uh, kind of an odd career choice because I'm a pretty severe introvert in life. Uh, and so out of uh, or in college, um, you know, I have a journalism degree and went down the marketing track, uh, wanted to become an advertising or or did become an advertising copywriter uh, because my goal in life was to pretty much just sit in a closet all day and write ad copy and not have to talk to anybody. <laughs> um, well, then, you know, you get promoted to be a I got promoted to become a creative director, and part of the job as a creative director is I have to go out and start selling. Um, and uh, that actually re- really led me into the career I'm in now. Uh, but the but the selling part was, you know, I kind of became that accidental salesperson. Uh, and um, it, you know, I, I guess I I wouldn't even, you know, it's it's kind of of a mindset, I think. Uh, you know, sales has such a negative connotation to so many people. And for me, I, I just kind of uh, said, you know, I'm not, I'm not in sales. What I really am is trying to figure out what other people, uh, what their issues are, and could I help them achieve their goals uh, more efficiently, more profitably, uh, higher quality than they might be able to do on their own. And if the answer to that is yes, then I, then I tell stories. And so, yeah, yes, I'm, 
in sales, but but really what I am is a is a storyteller and and, a, and hopefully a good listener. Well, and um, the thing about that, the great pause there for a second because you know that take that is the 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 adjustment that people have to make getting into sales. Yeah. And and so how long did it take you? Because I know it took me longer than it sounds like it took you to sort of come to that realization early in my career that that sales is really about the other person. It was about serving, not you know, not pitching something. And once I understood that, it made a huge difference. But yeah, it didn't come naturally to me. It sounds I mean, how long in your experience do you find that takes reps? Because that is that's to me, that's the critical adjustment. If you never get over that hurdle, you know, you're not gonna stay in the profession. Well, I think that's right. I, I think for me, and again, like most folks, you, you um, get thrown into sales, and at first, it's survival. So you don't really think of that because it's it's okay. I gotta, I've, I've got to go in and, for lack of a better term, convince somebody of something. And, and in fact, I used to joke um, when I used to get asked to speak to marketing classes. Uh, people say, "Well, what do you do for a living?" And I'd say, "Well, you know, if I." Um, if I do my job well, I can make people buy crap that they don't want. And if I do my job really well, I can make people buy crap that they don't even need. Um, you know, kind of poking fun at both of my careers, right. quote unquote, in sales and in and marketing. marketing. Right. Right. You know, but the, but the reality is, and, and it was somebody who told me this, and I, I wish I could remember who it was uh, because I owe them a, a huge debt of thanks. And they said, no, you know what, what sales really is, is it's an, it's an incredibly noble profession. Because again, what you're really doing is helping other people. You're not trying to convince somebody. So for me, it was having a mentor. Actually, I, 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 I think I know who it was, a gentleman named Don Craighead, who's kind of been a mentor of mine through the years, an uh, uh, incredibly successful entrepreneur in Minneapolis. I think we were having lunch one day now that I think about it, and he was probably the one who said that to me, that, that sales is really a, a, a noble profession um, because what you done well, you're helping people. You're not convincing anybody to do anything. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, I, like you said, some people probably stumble across it if they want to survive and, and feel good about themselves. I was blessed to to have a good mentor in my life that, that I think shared that with me. Yeah, and I, I had a couple of customers, actually, that to me were really formative in my early years about sort of teaching me that lesson. I, mean, I had one, I've written a blog post about this, one client, a prospective client I went in to see, and, uh, you know, a very sort of courtly older gentleman and brought me into his office. I went, I went into the, the lobby not expecting at all that, <laughs> that they would let me see him as the CEO of the company. Mm-hmm. But he comes out himself, very graciously introduces himself, you know, takes me back to his, his office, yeah, and sits behind this very clean desk and pulls out a stack of business cards from salespeople selling the product computer products while well, I was selling at the uh-huh. time. Sure. Computer systems. And just said, Well, you know, I didn't buy from any of these people. Why should I buy from you? Mm-hmm. And it was such a great lesson to say, Well, sure. He's saying you know, I, I may have a need, but you know, no one's put it in such a way that it makes it seem compelling to me or valuable yep. to me. Yep. And so suddenly I was like, oh, you mean it's not just about pitching, it's about I gotta ask a question, I gotta understand you, I gotta you know, in a way that that all the lessons and training hadn't really brought home. Yeah, that's right. I mean to me, uh, I mean my my core um expertise, if you will, is in what's called sales intelligence, which is really about, you know, finding information on other people so you can be relevant to what they care about. Uh, and um, it, it, that, that's exactly right, because if you think about it, this is kind of how I start my, my programs, is um, when you think about your prospects, they're amazingly passionate about one thing. And what is it? Well, it's themselves. Mm-hmm. No offense. No offense. They don't care about you. They At really all. don't. What they care about is their problems, 
And it might not be what you think it is. You know, we think of, we go in and we say, well, you know, this guy's got to, using your example, uh, selling computers or IT services. Well, this guy must have a problem with his IT um, services that I'm going to solve. Well, that that might be at the high level. But, you know, when we talk about going from the from the 50,000 foot level down to the one inch level, what's the one inch level? Well, you know, this guy has got a boss and this guy's boss has said, um, you know, we got these computer problems. Uh, let's say it's computer security as an example. We got these computer security issues we need to fix. Uh, by the way, Andy, if you fix this, um, I'm going to get you a 20 thousand dollar bonus but it's not going to be easy um and that's why i'm going to give you a twenty thousand dollar bonus now you're sitting there thinking to yourself well geez twenty thousand dollar bonus that would be incredible because my wife has been on my back for the last three years to get a new kitchen and funny it costs twenty thousand dollars um and boy wouldn't that be nice to get her off my back and so where you as the computer salesperson might be going in and saying you know hey i'm, I'm here to solve your um computer security issues you as the buyer uh, yeah, at a 50,000-foot level, that's most important. But what's really most important is um, if you can solve this issue, you get a bonus. If you get a bonus, you get a new kitchen. If you get a new kitchen, you get the wife off your back. And so if you as a salesperson can actually figure out that motivation and sell against that, um, that's where you're going to be really successful. Again, kind of an extreme example. Well, um, but No, it's absolute right example because it's nowhere in there was it about what you were selling. It was, right. about, it was about it's the about needs them. and motivations of another person, right? And in fact, you know, uh, there's been many times you know, as a professional speaker, as an example, where um, someone will call me and uh, I, I listen to their needs, and uh, it, it's now now could I could I take my presentation and twist it and modify it to fit their needs, uh, and would I do a great job? Absolutely, I could do that. Uh, but oftentimes, at, at a gut level, I know that I'm not the right fit, but I know that Andy Paul is a better fit. And so I'll recommend Andy. Um, and that, that to me is the true essence of a salesperson is when you, you, when you are – or the, I guess the difference between a, a salesperson and a sales professional because I think a sales professional goes into a meeting with an attitude of I, I'm really here to help the other person achieve their goals. And, and by the way, that might, not, that might mean not selling my product. And I'm going to help that person achieve their goal because somewhere down the line, I'm going to get a referral or somewhere down the line, I am going to be the right person. And I, and I think that's the, that's the real key. If you, if you want to ask yourself, are you a salesperson or a sales professional? Um, ask yourself this question. Have you ever recommended your competitor to one of your prospects? If the answer is, yeah, I've done that before, then you're probably a sales pro. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's a great, great point to bring out. And I'm not sure we've ever had anybody talk about that way on the show. It's, yeah, that distinction between being a salesperson and a sales professional, I like that distinction. And that's a great question well, to ask yourself. You know, have you have you referred your you know competitor or somebody else? And and yeah, somebody else, right? Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, I I know I have. It's come back in, <laughs> it's come back in spades for me absolutely. in the past. And and right. you know, I had right. a, a situation just uh, earlier this year where. A uh, colleague, one you know, sales speaker, just like you and I, referred me to. Another client that you know they just actually in their case, you know, it wasn't exact fit and so on and referred and it turned out to be a great referral, a great client for me. But it was like being the first time I'd ever really been on the receiving end of that, and it was uh, mm-hmm. really interesting. It was almost like, yeah, how do you thank somebody? Yeah, like and I that? think you know, for in in, in, our, in our world, it's it's a little easier. Uh, um, uh, versus if you're a person that's selling widgets, um, you know, I do really want to, uh, uh, promote the, the widget competitor. Um, but I think there's, you know, it's that karma thing, right? It, it, 
is it, it comes back some, some way it comes back. And, um, um, I, I, I don't know other than, you know, I'm not trying to get all cosmic and kumbaya on people here, but it works. I, I don't know how else to say it. It works is when, when your mindset is I'm really in there to help the other person solve their problem. And, and now, now to be a successful salesperson, you have to be a little bit selfish as well. So if your mindset is I'm goal, number one is to help the other person solve their problem. Goal number two, if I can solve their problem, I'm going to make a boatload of money doing it. There's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, we are, we are not, I'm a dot com, not a dot org. Uh, I am in this to make money as is, as you are. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but still, if we, if we have the mindset that it's, it's the other person's, we help them solve their issue. Again, I'm not a, I'm not a salesperson. That's just kind of the side benefit. I'm an, I'm an, a solving issue person um, who just happens to make money because I might have a product that might be better or it might be the right fit for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a great, great lesson. So uh, one of the things I want to talk about with you is, was your book about Take the Cold sure. Off, Cold Calling, which is uh-huh. a, an excellent book and recommend people, people Thank read you. it. Um, and some great, great lessons in there. And, and one that, that I want to talk about first was one that is also counterintuitive, but I'm sure I know it's absolutely right. As you say that really sales, sales reps are still, salespeople are still, Underutilizing social networks as tools of gaining sales intelligence on their yeah. their prospects, and so well, let's talk about sure. that because yeah, gosh, we got this you know, proliferation. We got LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and so you know discussion groups, blah 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 blah. But yeah, all the talk is out there, but it's still as your to your way of thinking is still being quite underutilized. Yeah, I think it is. Now, uh, I want to be clear on on, on a distinction. Um, there are a lot of folks that tell you that oh. You- you got to participate in social media, um, you know, some magic silver bullet to, to sell, and you'll make all this money. And for some industries, for some people, it's the exact right thing to do. Uh, but for me, and, and I could be wrong on this, but I'll just give you some real easy math, Andy. And that is that uh, you can be, in my opinion, you can be the best person on LinkedIn, on Facebook, tweeting great content all the time, participating in groups. It'll take you about an hour a day. And, th- and that, by the way, is all important because mm-hmm. it's part of the brand building. Um, and if you do it better than 99% of the planet an hour a day, um, are you going to get some new business that you otherwise would not have received? Absolutely. Um, five clients, 10 clients a year. Hey, average order size of $10,000 a piece. That, that's pretty good. A hundred grand a year, uh, doing some Twittering. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like a good deal. But I come from it from a little bit different track. And that is that um, what I believe is you in, in that same hour, you can make, and I'll just use phone calls, you can make six phone calls. Uh, one person you're going to talk to, one person says, call me back, you get four voicemails. Over a period of a year, uh, depending on how many trade shows and vacations you go to, that's probably um, uh, anywhere between 1,000 and 1,200 phone calls uh Per, per year. And any good salesperson, if I say, look, if, if you can make 1,200 phone calls, and but here's the key, to the right person with the right message at the right time, uh, how many, how many uh, deals do you think you close? And anybody who's any good will say 20, 50, 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that's, that's where I'm coming from. So when I talk about using social media, it's really more using social media as an intelligence gathering tool, hence sales intelligence, versus a marketing tool. Marketing tool is more in the you're going to share content. And, and again, I'm not 
incredibly important because that that helps you build the brand. It gets you credibility. But as I like to say, it also gets you in the maybe pile. What's the maybe pile? Well, your your great LinkedIn account, your great Facebook account, your testimonials, your reviews, uh, all the people that are saying nice things about you on Facebook, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn. Um, that gets you in the maybe pile. The maybe pile means you're one of three. Um, now is when you've got to differentiate. And you differentiate by using social media, uh, again, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, to find out what the other person cares about. So when you pick up the phone or email or you're meeting them for coffee, the first words out of your mouth always needs to be about the other person. It could be something about their competition. It could be something about a new product they've just launched. It could just be a congratulations. Hey, I saw you won that award. Um, Or it could just be a connection. Hey, I was on your LinkedIn profile and I see that we went to the same school together Mm -hmm. or we have the same degree, uh, different colleges, but some way where you're connecting with somebody in a way that's relevant to what they care about. So when I talk about social media, that's what I'm talking about is more of a, of an intelligence gathering tool uh, versus a marketing tool. Although again, not that marketing's bad, but, but my specific expertise is in the intelligence gathering area. Right, and that and that's sort of how I phrased the original question. You're saying it's underutilized right. for gathering intelligence. So that's correct. Yep. So what should they be doing? Well, I mean, if you think about LinkedIn, I mean, there's a perfect example. Um, why do you, why do you have a LinkedIn profile? Well, you, you you have it because you want people to know about you. So, I mean, at a very basic level, I, I teach what's called the three by five. Spend three minutes trying to find five pieces of information, or five minutes trying to find three pieces of information, and. LinkedIn for sure. I mean, if I'm going to go uh, um, meet with somebody, uh, I go to their LinkedIn profile. But don't just go to it because I have some purient interest or something. Go to it with, uh, I'm, I'm really looking for a specific piece of information in mind. Again, um, something in common where the other, you know, does the other person w- work or did they used to work at a place where you might have a client? Uh, where did they go to school? What interests do they have? So just at a bare minimum, uh, look at LinkedIn and, uh, and and find a little bit, bit little bit of background about the person, so you can connect with them at a, for lack of a better term, a human level. Mm-hmm. That's an easy one. Um, Twitter, a little bit less so, but Twitter you can mine. You know, you can use the advanced search uh, capabilities of Twitter to really mine competition. Um, Sales intelligence, you can automate it, uh, so you can save you can save tweets. So let's say um, you were a prospect that was really important to me. I might um, set up a, a specific query within Twitter that pulls back results. I save that search. So anytime in it, so for example, it might be related to a new product launch. Mm-hmm. Um, so Twitter, I might use more for what we call a trigger event. A trigger event is why would somebody at the company take my phone call today versus last week? They wouldn't have. Um, sometimes those trigger events might be a new promotion, a new hire, a new product launch. Twitter, because of its, if it's instant news type of a, uh, I mean, that's what it is. Um, that's what I might use Twitter for is to kind of get instant insight of what's going on inside a company, which gives me, I call it the second most powerful word in sales permission. It gives me permission to call that person, to call my contact. Um, Facebook, I'll use if somebody's LinkedIn profile just isn't very robust. Now, you got to use that one carefully. What I'm looking for in Facebook on intelligence side is really uh, some personal things about, about the, you know, do they have kids? Mm-hmm. How old are the kids? What, what sports do they like? If they like, or hobbies, uh, religious affiliation, political affiliation. I might not use that information 
uh, when I meet with somebody, it's a little freaky. But it does if, – if I know somebody has children, it does guide me to ask better questions. So for example, I have a son who plays baseball. Um, if I know that you have a son that plays baseball, I'm not going to say that when we first meet. That's a little spooky. But there will be a point in time where you turn around to me and say, Sam, tell me a little bit about yourself. Now, normally, I'm not going to tell you that I have a son that plays baseball. But if I know that you do, I might say, well, you know, I'm, I've got a family. I've got an awesome wife. been married 23 years. I've got a son who plays baseball. And I'll just throw that out because I know there's a pretty decent chance you're going to say, oh, I've got a son who plays baseball. And again, now we're connecting at that, that mm-hmm. human level, at mm-hmm. that relevant level. So those are the kinds of ways that, at a high level that I might use different sorts of social media as an intelligence gathering tool. Now, in your book, though, you talk about the invisible web. Yes. Which mm-hmm. I, I presume you're not talking about the dark web. but uh, <laughs> The dark web's part of the invisible web, so oh, yes. Okay. So, so what is it, you know, how are you defining the invisible web and, and how does somebody – you know, find it and use it for prospecting. Sure. And, you know, sales, gathering sales intelligence. So I think the invisible web, my definition would be um, any website that is, for lack of a better term, invisible to Google. Um, Now, why can't Google find a website? It's called indexing a website. So if you think of Google as a vacuum cleaner, it kind of sucks up words, stores the words in the vacuum cleaner bag or the database. You go into Google, type in three words. All Google's doing is saying, where do those three words appear most often in my vacuum cleaner bag? Um, there are sites that Google can't vacuum up. Matter of fact, it's the far majority of the internet. Now, those could be websites that are just poorly built. Kind of Google can't find anything there. Um, but more likely than not, it's for uh, and then and then there's the whole like you said the the the, the deep web and you know that's where the hackers of the world hang out. We're mm-hmm. not talking about that. Um, the the easiest way to define the invisible web for the the average salesperson is websites where you have to register to access the information. So um, registration is free. So it's the free and publicly accessible internet. Uh, so let's say you go to uh, uh, an industry uh, association website. Mm-hmm. They've got a uh, they've got a um, an online magazine. There's a hundred thousand articles there. All hundred thousand articles are free if you register. Um, but they don't. But you have to register. Well, Google can't register, and whoever owns that website doesn't want Google to find the article, uh, because if you could find the article via Google search, there'd be no reason to go to their website and register. That'd probably be the easiest example of the invisible web. And there's lots of great sites like that. I mean, Facebook technically is an invisible website by that definition. You, mm-hmm. It's free, um, but I got to log in if I want to access it. So, so Facebook would be on the invisible web, if you will. So. Give some examples, let's say, of, of – well, you gave one with the trade association. But I was thinking of sort sure. of in context of you've got this search engine. You've developed uh, some custom search engines to help yeah. help salespeople uh, find more sales intelligence. And so how do they work? I may talk a little bit about those, the you got news and you got social. And sure. how do they sort of overlay with this invisible web? Do they help with that? Well, yeah, I, I think those are perfectly good examples of the invisible web because I guess another – definition of the invisible web is is any website that does show up on google but but after page three because no one looks at it so in a sense it's invisible anyhow so um that's kind of what you got the news is so i'm a big proponent again is never walk into a meeting without having a piece of information on another person um well how do you get information news articles so when i'm researching a company um or sometimes even researching a person, you know, you type their name, type it in Google, and now make sure you type it in quotation marks. When you type a proper noun within quotation marks, you pull up the exact phrase versus Google thinks it's an and. So if I go in and t- into Google, type in Andy Paul, 
I get you, but I also get a lot of websites on Andy Smith and Paul Jones. Um, but if I put Andy Paul within quotation marks, every result will be Andy Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, when I'm searching on a company, I put it within quotation marks. And then on the results page, you'll get all your stuff. Uh, but there'll be a little tab there called news. And I'll click on the news button. And what I'm looking for is news articles. Um by the way, if you want to sort your news articles by date, there's a little button there called Search Tools. Click the Search Tools button, and a little drop-down menu appears. You can sort your articles by date. Well, that works really well if you're calling on a larger company. Um, but a lot of us, most of us, are calling on small businesses. Sure, small uh, and sized companies, right? You know, and they're, they're not going to show up in Google News. Uh, they're going to show up in the, the Lakeshore – because Google News is looking at like uh, – CNN, USA Today, Wall Street Journal. It'll also look at the Chicago Tribunes of the world, but but most of our clients are showing up in the the Lakeshore Weekly News, right? Those, mm-hmm. those small weekly publications. So, so what I've done with you got the news is um, it, basically, if you think of Google as a vacuum cleaner, this is a vacuum cleaner, but it's only looking at news articles. Um, again, it's going to look at the USA Today's of the world, but it's also going to look at the the Lakeshore Weekly News and the Poughkeepsie Times, and um, and when you use the search engine. Um, you, there's also some tabs on the result page. So only show me national news, only show me business news, only show me press releases. So it allows you to sort your news in a way. So now, uh, could I find many of those news articles if I, if I copied the exact headline of the news article, did a Google search? It, probably. So are they technically invisible? I, I guess not, because because Google can find them if you tell them if you tell Google exactly what to look for. But in, in a sense, it's it's invisible because if you do a search on a company and there's three million results, that, that might be in the two million range. Mm-hmm. So all I'm doing with you got the news is kind of pulling them to the top as an example. Um, so mining the visible slash invisible web on that one. Um, Okay, very cool. So that's you got the news. So that's again yep, people listening. That's a custom search engine you developed to help you know sales professionals, salespeople, yeah, uh, gain intelligence on customers that uh, potential customers might not otherwise rise to the the first page or second page of Google returns. Yeah, and it's completely free. You don't have to register. Uh, just a, a quick funny story that you'll probably appreciate. So, so in my first book back in 2008, um, there was a really great news search engine um, that I featured. It was two chapters of the book. Well, they went out of business. And um, as Andy, as someone who can appreciate because you've written books before, uh, I, I didn't. I had two choices. I could either recreate the technology or rewrite two chapters of the book. And trust me, recreating the technology was a lot less painful than writing two chapters. <laughs> so that's how we came up with that one. Um, yeah, especially working so, with the publisher, right? Exactly. So for me, it was I just I just need I, I need a replacement for the chapter. Um, okay, the so you've got is, you got one. Okay, yeah, you got the news. So now you've got you got social. You got social. Yeah. So you got social is an interesting one because um, you know Facebook. There's what one point five one point six billion users on Facebook. So if I go into Facebook and type in um, you know, to try to find Andy Paul in Facebook, I, I, I don't know the number, but I bet you it's three, four thousand. You know, yeah, good luck. I'm sure there's a lot of it, right? You know, and so um, what you got social is is it's really more of a guided search, um, and uh, I, I really got the idea in, in some of the code from a gentleman named Michael Basil, who who Michael is a brilliant online dude. Um, I think he was like head of the FBI 
cyber division or something like that. And so I took a lot of his work and just made it more uh, meaningful, if you will, for salespeople. And so what it allows you to do is it's kind of using a series of pull-down menus. Well, I'm looking for Andy Paul, and and so I can type in a name, and then the next I click the and button. Uh, the next pull-down menu, I can choose maybe um, job title. So for you, I might put in speaker or author or blogger or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. If I know where you might live, I might type in New York or I might type in San Diego. And so I get the right and. Andy Paul. Um, But where it's also pretty cool, not only researching an individual, um, and this was not my intention in doing it, but I've been using it this way and it's pretty fabulous. It's actually an amazing list building tool. Um, So for example, I I do a lot of work in the financial services industry. Financial advisors like to do events where they like to invite people to an event. Um, uh, One event that oftentimes people will advisors like to do is they like to do wine tasting events for uh, wealthy people. Um, well, there's there's lots of places where I can go get the demographics of somebody, where I can go online and say, okay, find me all CEOs in Minneapolis, um, assuming a CEO is a, a, a higher net worth individual. But where do you go and find CEOs in Minneapolis who like wine? Um, oh, and by the way, our, our uh, uh, Wisconsin Badger football fans, um, how do you do that? Well, Facebook, you got social allows you to do that. So find me all CEOs in Minneapolis who like um, Wisconsin Badgers and also like red wine. Um, now, am I getting every person in Minneapolis who is a CEO who likes the Badgers and likes wine? Of course not. I'm, they, they, somebody has to self-identify that on their Facebook page. Mm-hmm. But it's it's crazy what you can do on the site. Um, and I recently added a power search button. I'm still refining it where um, – that's where it gets really cool because so on your Facebook page, you, you, you so go to, you know, if you log into Facebook, um, I type in Andy Paul. If I look at the web address of your Facebook page, it's going to be a, a, a certain name, mm-hmm. you know, my Andy dot Paul dot four twenty three, something like that. Well, I'm going to grab that name. I can go into the power search area of you go at social type in that name and it will give me your unique Facebook identifier number. So think of that as your social security number for your Facebook page. Right. Well, now that I have that, there's a number of other search tools that I've built in there where you can say, well, based on that number, find all photos that other people have commented on related to Andy. Find me all of Andy's friends. Find me all of Andy's relatives. Find me all of the places that Andy's friends like. So when I'm researching a person, it really can give me a, a, a really complete picture of who that individual is. Now, do we really need to do that if I'm selling computer, uh, you know, toner printer? No. Um, but if I'm a financial advisor, an insurance person, if I'm asking for a referral, um, well, yeah, selling, selling, yeah, if you're selling a, a complex product to a C-level person, I mean, it's for sure. Yeah, for sure. But it's a little spooky, to be honest with you. The stuff you can find. <laughs> well, and you you sort of have you have written about this, and in many cases about the dangers of having too much information about yourself out there. Yeah, for sure. Paradoxically, I mean, even though you're developing the tools to help us get it, but at the same time, you I think having done that, you've seen that yeah, we need to be cautious. Well, we sure do, and and you know, I give a whole program on that. So, if my main program is sales intelligence, which is how to find information on other people, you know, I do another one. It's called uh, "Don't Steal the Cheesecake." There's a story I tell about that, but it's all about how, um, uh, you know, in a digital world, you need to assume that everybody's searching on you, and they are. And how do you control what they find? And uh, you know, the reality is, I think we all know this, but the the book 1984, Big Brother is here. I mean, 
Big Brother is here. We are mm-hmm. all Big Brother, by the way, because everybody with an iPhone is a Big Brother. Um, just as kind of a side note, so yesterday uh, my wife and I went to get our driver's license renewed, and we decided to get these enhanced driver's licenses because in Minnesota you're going to be required to do it within a year if, if otherwise you can't get on a plane. Um, and in filling out the enhanced driver's license form, many many of your listeners probably already have done this, but they might not even know what that is. Did you know that in an enhanced driver's license, they actually put – they embed in the driver's license an RFID chip with an antenna? And my wife asked me, why are they doing that? And I said, because theoretically – They're tracking you. Know, you. <laughs> they're tracking you. Like right. they find an iPhone device, it's probably like that. I mean they could find my driver's license. Um, so it's it's kind of – it's a little scary, all the stuff that's out there. And um, and by the way, nothing disappears. I mean, just as a side note, not to be political, but it, you know, everyone talks about, ooh, Hillary Clinton's emails, and she, she deleted 30,000 emails. No, she didn't. I mean, she may have deleted them off of her server, but, um, but at one point in time, somebody hits send. And once they hit send, they go through the internet, if you will. So they're, they're, they've gone through somebody else's server. Theoretically, it was captured. But by the way, it ended up on somebody else's computer mm-hmm. or mobile device. So they never disappear. Nothing disappears. And I guess that's the real lesson from the from the flip side of it is, um, yeah, it's it's. I, I try to teach you how to find information in an ethical way and use it ethically to build relationships. On the flip side is you need to know that everything you do in a digital format, um, theoretically, somebody can find, including your where your driver's license is at any given point in time. So it's kind of a scary world we live in. Yeah, because it works both ways. I mean, certainly buyers will do, you know, prospective employers, you know, will do research Absolutely. into into you. And now this is not a mystery anymore that prospective employers might look at your Facebook, but, but, um, you know, they're looking a lot more these days. But it's not, yeah, it's not just your Facebook page, Andy, because you might be doing everything perfectly. So I'm going to hire you and I'm going to hire you for a super, I mean, it's going to be, you're going to be my number two guy. This is the most important hire I've ever made at my company. Um, with you got social as an example, I can go in and, and not only search you and now search my friends what they're doing exactly yeah with, with your friends what they're doing and it's kind of that guilt by association um i can find a lot by who the people you hang out with the most right and what's that old saying you know you are you you become the five people you hang out with the most so i'm going to research the five people you hang out with the most and you know because you're a really smart guy andy you might have uh, for lack of a better term, scrubbed your Facebook account and it's perfect. But then I go look at your friends and I'm like, oh, okay, this is how they feel. Um, oh, this so I'm going to make judgments based on who you hang out with. Yeah, I only hang out with people that aren't active on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a, the new criteria we're choosing our friends and associates by. And so, Sam, now we're moving into the last segment of the show where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. Sure. And so the first one's a hypothetical scenario. And in this scenario, you, Sam, have just been hired as vice president of sales at a company whose sales have hit a rough patch. And mm-hmm. CEO and the board are anxious to uh, hit the reset button, get things back on track. And so the question is, what could you do? What two things could you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Well, I think the, the you know, the, the, the first thing is you don't want to jump in and you think you're an expert and try to change everything. So what I would do is I would think um, I would really look at the people who is on my sales team and what's their background. Um, let's assume that the company I've just been hired at uh, has done a good job of hiring salespeople, at least 
based on their background. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've got good resumes. They've been successful in the past. Okay. Let's assume that um, I I have a pretty decent product. So sales are down. I look at it and I say, well, okay, first off, um, did – so I'm going to, uh, you know, I'll take a sales guy. We'll call him Joe. So, uh, Joe, when I look at Joe's resume, man, he's been awesomely successful everywhere he's been. Uh, so when we hired him at widget corporation, um, did, uh, did he, all this did like his first day on the job, did he just get amnesia? Like, did he forget everything? <laughs> Is that likely? Um, no, probably not. Okay. So we, we probably have the right people. You know, it's that Jim Collins thing. Do we have the right people on the right. bus? So that's the first thing. Do we right. have the right? So assuming that we got the right people on the bus, they, they didn't have amnesia the second they started on the job. Then the next question is, well, do we have the right product? And so that's a little bit more of analysis of maybe talking to some customers. Uh, who is our competition? Um, you know, is, is, is there a market for our product? Does anybody care anymore? I mean, are we selling, uh, are we still selling AOL CDs? You know, probably not a large market anymore. Um, uh, but, but let's, uh, you know, so, so does, is our product any good? Um, uh, got to find that out. Let's, mm-hmm. let's assume, let's assume the answer is yes. Um, obviously there's marketing material and those kinds of things, you know, you're going to evaluate and look at, but one of the things that I would, that I think is so important. So uh, assuming you've got good people, assuming you've got a decent product at a fair price, um, because again, if you don't have those things, you got to go fix those first, but assuming that's all true, then there's only one other thing. And and is that is, are my people being trained effectively, Uh, trained effectively to prospect, trained effectively to negotiate, to sell, to provide value. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I would say for the most part, based on my experience, um, that's where we see the issues. Um, They they haven't been, you know, we we hire these really smart people who have great resumes and we say, here's our wonderful product. Now go sell some stuff. And we just let them go. Right. And, um, Oh, or as you see sometimes, Andy, um, we take our best sales guy and we promote him to sales manager and we say, make make all, make everybody like you. And that oftentimes doesn't work because, um, a friend of mine, Spencer Siegel coined the phrase and I love it. It's called unconsciously competent. Mm-hmm. You know, if I ask a salesperson, what makes you successful? Like, seriously, I want you to think about it. They'll be able to write down 15 things. If you actually follow that person with a video camera, you'll notice the 78 things that they do. But um, most of them, they just don't even know they're doing. Right. And and so, again, I, to me, it comes back to management. Do you have the right people? And are those people training their teams effectively? So that's what I would probably okay. look at first. All right. Good. That'd be, that'd be a busy first week. So now I've got some rapid fire questions for you. Just, yeah, for uh, sure. Give me one word answers or you can elaborate a little bit if you wish. So the first sure. one is when you, Sam… Richter are out selling your services. What's your most powerful sales attribute? Hmm. Um, I use the line or a modification of this. Um, hey, Andy, before I meet with people, I left you a little bit of homework. You're a super busy guy, and guess I don't want to waste your time. And guess what I found? I tell the person what I find, and then I be quiet and listen. Mm-hmm. And usually when you find something cool and you let the other person elaborate on it, um, they tell you some awesome stories and, um, and, and it gives you permission to ask better questions. Okay. Good answer. So next question, I think you answered already earlier. Who's your sales role model? 
Oh, wow. Gosh, there's so many. I think if I were to really go back and think of who's the best salesperson, the best sales book that I've read of all time, I'd go back to Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, Because I think that's what sales is all about. You're You're trying to influence people, but you're trying to build friendships as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd have to say Dale Carnegie. Okay. Well, you also answered the next question, which is, which is one book you think every salesperson should read. So <laughs> how to win friends and influence people. Uh, can I give you two more? Oh, sure. Uh, uh, another Carnegie one, um, how to stop worrying and start living. Cause I think as salespeople, we worry too, as people, we right. worry too much. Absolutely. And, um, and then think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. Great I'm not the first that have ever said those three, but I think if you read those three books, pretty much all the other books, the, the, the articles you've written, Andy, the stuff I've written are all based on the genuine, on, on the, uh, the original concepts in those books. We've just maybe modernized or put a different twist on those. But if you memorize those three books, you're going to do really well. Okay. I agree. Good, good, good recommendations, especially about the stop worrying. And, uh, last question, what music's on your playlist right now? Wow. Uh, none. Um, I just have, I, I've been, I, I used to have Spotify. I now have Amazon Music because mm-hmm. I, I did the $99 Prime thing, and right. now I feel that I've got to get my $99. So I'm just – I'm fascinated how fun it is to go through. And so one day I'll listen to jazz, and one day I'll listen to 80s, and one day I'll listen to um, classical. So I don't really have any – music that's on my playlist other than i'm just fascinated with how cool amazon music is all right great answer i love it all right well sam thanks for being on the show today uh, tell people how they can get in touch with you or connect with you sure it's it's real easy uh samrichter.com s-a-m-r-i-c-h-t-e-r.com or just go into google and type in sam richter and if i uh if uh, you know if i'm if i'm any good at what i do i better show up number one if i don't show up number one don't hire me because that means i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> there's the test love it when people put the put themselves out on the line that's great well, absolutely sam, <laughs> thanks again for being on the show Thank you. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And easy way to do that is take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Sam Richter, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.